Hi, this is James Joker. I'm a host of Webcomics Reviews and Interviews. Today, we're looking at those top 10 fictional organizations that you know exist in the shadows. So sit back, relax, and let the Geek Fest begin. Okay, let's get real. Sort of. <laughs> when we start dealing with a lot of these really great genres, there becomes a lot of interesting questions they start getting raised, especially if you pay attention. Um, consider Tokyo, for example. We know how many times Tokyo has been invaded, has had to deal with superheroes, has had to deal with, you know, teenagers in large mecha going through and destroying the city. Heck, we know how many times Godzilla and his friends have gone through, gotten a little crazy, and demolished the city. And yet, Tokyo is usually backing up and going within like a couple of days to a week. There's got to be some sort of organization that's going through and reconstructing Tokyo on a regular basis. And Tokyo, of course, obviously isn't the only city. Um, You know, look at New York. You've got a major superhero infestation that's worse than termites. And Los Angeles may not have heroes, it may not have rubber monsters, but it does seem to be dealing with a lot of alien invasions. And all three of these cities, and well, more, I mean, look at poor London, look at Paris. How many times have you seen the Arc of Triumph go down? You know, there's got to be somebody out there going to and reconstructing these things on a regular basis. And when you start broadening your viewpoint a little bit, you start asking a lot of interesting questions. Like, you know... If we were dealing with the situation where there's a lot of damage, then there's got to be somebody dealing with all the insurance on this, right? Or you'd be dealing with, you know, entire economies that would be crashing on a daily basis. Um, you've got to have somebody dealing with the administration issues. Have you noticed how often a character will get into a scandal or a legal problem? And it's dealt with within a couple of days. You know, that's got to be doing... He's got to know somebody some really good negotiation skills. I mean, straight up, we know in today's world that the internet pretty much maintains a library of anything and everything that pretty much happens. And once something shows up on social media, it's there for history. You know, you've got to have somebody going through and negotiating and dealing with all these various scandals and legal issues. And, you know, even when we start dealing with some of the basic issues like, you know, transportation, buses and trains. In real life, you have to wait 5, 10, sometimes as long as 15 minutes for the bus or train to show up. In superhero universes or spy universes, you know, that train or that bus is always on time. You can always count on exactly when it's going to show up. Not only is that particularly awesome... Uh, But there's got to be a reason it's happening. And don't get me going on all the sidekick issues. I mean, you know, where are all these superheroes finding all these orphans and runaways so that they can endanger their lives? Yeah, they can argue that it's training, but, you know, it gets a little weird after a time. And then you've got to talk about the mayor's office. Have you ever noticed the mayor of a particular large city has absolutely no problem 
calling up the exact right here for the exact right job every time? Well, mostly anyway. You know, that's got to require some sort of organization that's tracking all these various superheroes. On top of that, you've got all these heroes that are looking absolutely fabulous. Not only does this mean you've got somebody out there who's going through and training these heroes and making sure that they maintain their diets and their regimens, but you've also got to be having somebody who's going to be dealing with their clothing issues. And we're not just talking Edna here. We're talking, you know, you've got one person in charge of all the superheroes. No, you've got to have some sort of actual organization because you've got to deal with clothing testing. I mean, let's get real. You've got how many different issues to deal with? Plus, they're built in with a little bit of armor because let's get real. There's no way your average person is going to go through a fight the way these heroes do. You know what I mean? So... You know, there's just a lot of really interesting organization when you start realizing it needs to be around in order for these various universes to work. However, let's get real. We're also looking at this as a writing thing, so wouldn't it be also great that if we've got a hero who, you know, wants to look good, have something looking good on his resume or even pick up a little bit of extra pocket change? Wouldn't it be great if they had a way to actually incorporate some of these organizations into the resume? So obviously, while I'm going through some of these organizations, I'm also going to be showing you how they can apply to your writing, not just be, you know, a one-note one joke. Well, I'm actually going to show you how some of these organizations not only help maintain your hero and how they're actually necessary for your universe, but... I'm also going to be looking at how to incorporate various superpowers as well as skills into these various organizations to just give them a little bit extra depth. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you want to look at these as strictly comedy and just go at it from there, hey, you're more than welcome to it. But sometimes we want to play with a little bit more. So, and obviously there are some initial inspirations in terms of the actual comic books. Um, the NBC actually had a show called Powerless, which looked at, you know, insurance for superheroes. Sort of lackluster. It's one of those shows you want to try to avoid, but sort of fun to look at type of deals. Um, Marvel, Damage, Damage Control. It basically goes through and deals with, you know, areas after superhero fights. And yes, it even deals with the billing for these situations. This is one of the few times I've actually seen Doc Doom actually back off of a bill collector. And of course, because she's going to be coming up a lot, let's not forget Edna of the Incredibles. So, with that, let's look at 10 different organizations that you know have to exist in the background of a lot of this genre fiction. And actually how they work. Right after that, let's start off with the Tokyo Rubber Monster Squad. Obviously, you're going to be seeing this. In, the name, obviously, is coming from what happens to Tokyo after Godzilla gets done having you know, a little bit of fun. Sure, he defends the city, but he also does a lot of damage to it as well. This means that this organization has not only have the most extensive you know, it's basically the biggest construction company in all of Tokyo. It has to be. You know, you don't 
rebuild skyscrapers if you have a skeleton crew. They've got to be very good at what they do. They've got to have access to the best materials. And there's absolutely no question they've got a lot of workers. Obviously, they also deal with every kind of insurance out there. And if somebody can't afford it, they'll have to deal with some sort of billing issue. You know, every city has to have their version of the Tokyo Rubber Monster Squad. It's just... It explains way too often why you've got all these major superhero fights, all these alien invasions, all these monster invasions, and yet the city is actually still standing. If they don't have some sort of construction crew going through that's not just very good, but also very extensive, you know, obviously, I would really hate to have to do their books. Now, if you got superheroes or other characters that have some sort of building skills or, you know, carpentry, central heating and air, you know, anything that helps them build buildings, uh, super strength, super speed, the ability to fabricate things out of thin air, obviously this would make a great organization for those. Heck, you have a gadgeteer with his robot squad? Dude, hook them up. Obviously, the Tokyo Rover Monster Squad fills a lot of checks. They're filled a lot of boxes. So, check them out. Have you also noticed how people in cities tend to also complain about the price of living there? That's because of the mandatory hero insurance. Obviously, it's going to be relatively cheap, but relatively is, you know, really relative in this situation. Not only will it insure against fights, but it will also insure against any kind of other major issue. You know, monster invasion, alien invasions, um, even industrial espionage. Yes, you have to have, when you start looking at a lot of these, especially the kid genre, you have parents that deal with top secret information in their actual living room. Which is really convenient when you think about it, but you know, so you're going to have a lot of interesting insurances piling up very quickly when it comes to living in a city, and this applies even to a certain degree if you live in more rural areas. Because let's get real, you're going to have to have some insurance against psycho slashers that just isn't going to be covered by a regular insurance company. Trust me, some of us have actually looked, but you know. You're going to have to have some sort of insurance that covers a lot of really bizarre emergencies. And the really cool thing is, is that we know that they're going to cover Acts of God because, well, we just saw him fighting Sinestro three days ago. You know? Acts of God in a superhero or universe, or for that matter, fantasy. I mean, seriously, how many fantasy novels have they had two gods battle in the middle of downtown... London, you know? So, strictly a side note, that always has amused me is how many atheists there are in comic books considering how many gods ever pop up. But that's strictly a side note. The bottom line is that a lot of people are going to have to be going after some sort of hero insurance. And in case you're curious how insurance works, it basically everybody 
pours all their money into a central fund. The insurance company then uses that fund for, you know, creating uh, loans, investing in things. And in, when it comes down to it, even though they're able to keep the capital in play, you know, again, in the, you know, investments and loans, but they're able to use that insurance as a way to pay off all the people that do it. And, you know, the, in a, some of these genres, they've got to be doing really, really well when you realize that they're paying off billions of dollars every year. I mean, straight up, there's a supervillain you need to be looking at is the head of an insurance company. You want to look at Lex Luthor, who's doing all this stuff in high finances? Yeah, he's obvious. Go for the insurance company. That's got to be some evil right there. Obviously, if your character has some sort of skill with finances, negotiation... Actually, let me back up on the negotiation a sec, because remember, we're dealing with somebody who's going to be dealing with a lot of people that are trying to get that that last little bit of money so they can deal with their deductible. I mean, let's get real. How many people in real life do you know that have just had a um, major house theft and will actually add on items just to cover the deductible? You know what I mean? So if you're dealing with that in a particular genre fiction, you're going to have to have somebody who's not only can, you know, is really good at detecting motivations or, you know, basically acts as a living lie detector, but is also pretty good at negotiations. Um, Finance skills, another really cool thing. If you have some sort of clairsentience, let's get real. A lot of these superhero insurance companies have got to have a clairsentient on board to help them negotiate Wall Street. Think about it. You know, at this point, if you have somebody who's dealing with a lot of people skills, these are the people you need as part of your insurance company. You're also going to have to have some sort of, well, administrative business for your various groups. I mean, let's get real. You're going to need somebody dealing with paperwork. You know? It's sort of funny when you realize how much paperwork these various organizations in terms of Justice League, MI6, Star Trek Federation, these organizations have to be dealing with a ridiculous amount of paperwork. And I don't care how good your superhero intelligence is, you're just not going to be able to come up with an AI that's going to be able to deal with all these paperwork. Or for that matter, want to. I mean, paperwork's got to be the one the major cause of suicide among artificial intelligences out there. The only problem is you need somebody who's going to be, have no problem knowing everything involving your, the administrative of your company or your organization. Because not only are you talking about somebody who's dealing with your paperwork... But it's also signing off on... Let's take a step back on here. In the United States, we have the... um, American Disabilities Act. Which basically means that if I have a construction company... And I'm doing something... I've got to go through a rather thick booklet... To make sure that... The people with disabilities are dealt with. You know? You can't have... Areas that are... You know, uh, they have to be a minimum width. You have to have your water faucets at a certain height. Heck, you even have to make sure there's ramps outside. And yeah, well, where a lot of this is considered, would be considered 
you know, up under the Tokyo Rubber Monster Squad issue, you know, and you know they've got to be charging a fair price for dealing with after-the-fact renovations. Nonetheless, you need somebody in administration to actually make sure that all this is being dealt with. Your administration person also has to be up on a lot of different laws. I mean, yeah, there's going to be some specialties here and there, like, you know, somebody does finance, obviously, is going to be up on all the various different finance laws. You, you know, you've got... OSHA's got to be killer in a, in a, in a, in a uh, superhero universe. You know? You've got to have somebody who's basically running points on that. And this is what your administrative services is all about. In essence, your administrative people are making sure that all of this is being dealt with so you don't have to. Which reminds me, some heroes are just really, would really hate to have to have to deal with all their own paperwork. Excuse me, Mr. Bond. Yeah, we know you've got a license to kill, but you, did you really have to kill that person for taking your parking spot? Yeah, I know, a lot of us want to, but the paperwork alone that that causes. So you know there's got to be somebody dealing with the administrative in the background. Again, this is what you want to have your people deal with all your... If you have some of the characters that are really good with solving problems, um, total recall, negotiation skills, so on and so forth, you know, they're... Basically, any kind of skill that would allow them to deal with paperwork, including even super speed. Straight up, I do not want to see Flash Barry Allen right after an alien invasion. You know, the first thing he does is, looks at Superman, Superman looks back at him, Flash looks back, and Superman says, yeah, Barry, you better get on it. Yeah, it only may take him about half an hour or so, but, and yeah, I know how fast the Flash moves. When I'm saying it takes half an hour or so, I mean it takes at least half an hour. There is that much paperwork to deal with. But, you you know, you just need somebody who isn't afraid to basically take it on. I'd really love to see a hero that, that was set up specifically just for administrative stuff. Alright. So think about this for a second. You've got this superhero insurance squad, and part of really lot they make a lot of the money out of the loans and investments. But let's get real: investment, or sorry, insurance companies also sue people who screw up. A real life example right now is I'm Northern California. We're dealing with a campfire, and you've got a lot of legal groups that are coming up or springing up specifically to help people get reimbursed for things that happened to him because of the campfire. Flip side, I mean, generally speaking, anytime something bad happens, and it can be done to, you know, one person, well, that person is going to get sued. On top of that, you know, heroes are going to tend to run into a lot of really gray areas. And let's get real, there's a lot of really interesting abilities that, while they're really cool, tend to really make some life interesting for some lawyer down the road. You know, you've got mind control, sure, you're well known for your mind control. How often are you going to be sued for date rape? I mean, seriously, you go out, you find someone you're attracted to, 
they have a problem with you, what are the odds that they're going to basically put two and two together to say, hey, you've got mind control. Could you have mind controlled me into making, to making me fall in love with you? Yeah, you know that's going to be a legal case that's going to be all sorts of fun to watch. So yeah, you need some sort of paranormal legal aid. Um, obviously, this is going to be mostly to help your heroes in terms of it, are, you know, skirting the law a little bit. I mean, I'd love to see some of these vigilantes as far as the legal system goes. But they also need to negotiate contracts and that sort of thing. I mean, let's get real. Lawyers aren't just there to, you know, go into court. Sometimes they're there just to make sure that all the, you know, I's are thin, T's are crossed. The good news is, is that, well, heroes themselves are going to, I mean, let's get real. If you basically had to name the top five heroic secret identity occupations, they're going to basically be research scientist, newspaper reporter, photojournalist, freelancer, lawyer. And so you know these lawyers are going to basically be intelligent and go, hey, this is somebody I deal with on a regular basis. I'll cut them a deal. It's not going to be necessarily cheap, but it will be at a very good, you know, fraction of what they'd normally cost. I mean, when basically you know somebody's going to be saving your life, and it could be, you know, anywhere from later that night to a couple of months down the road, yeah, you're going to be wanting to make them have a very good deal. Obviously, when you're dealing with a legal character, I mean, you're going to have somebody who has really great memory, who's got a lot of education, ideally. Um, and any kind of people skills or abilities, they'll let them deal with people. And I'm looking at anything from mind control to telepathy here. Here's where I'm going to take a backtrack and look at Douglas Ramsey for a second. You got to admit, the guy's power, which is basically the ability to understand every language on the planet, may not sound all that incredible, but when you start dealing with a legal system, seriously, that has got to be a seriously cool power. But, you know, you're going to have some sort of legal aid situation so keep that in mind when you start building a lot of these characters. Lawyers are pretty much a really fun character to have on group if for no other reason to make sure you can get out of escape the law every so often. Which of course brings us into the PR area. Yes, public relations for heroes. You know that a lot of these heroes have to have some sort of PR going because there's absolutely no way you're going to be running around in spandex, fighting people, causing a lot of damage, and not having to deal with some sort of PR issue. You know what I mean? Public relations in a superhero or spy or even, let's get real, science fiction universes have this a lot. I mean, seriously. Moldar the alien, I've got four eyes, and yet I'm still the media darling. You know? You've got to have some serious PR in any genre you're dealing with. You've got to have somebody who's going to help make those crises go away in like two or three news cycles. And we're not just talking about somebody who's managing your public appearances because that's also something that's sort of cool, you know? 
you've got a situation where you're having a major PR issue, showing up at a pancake breakfast is not a really good thing. All of a sudden, Matter Eater Lad makes a lot of sense. I mean, seriously, how many PR events are involved food? I mean, we're talking chili cook-offs, baking contests, pancake breakfasts, pie eating contests. Seriously, you've got all these PR events involving food. Yeah, Matter Eater Lad, all of a sudden, as a character concept, makes a lot of great sense. But, we're not just talking eating contests, we're talking pretty much any time you interact with people. You know, you need somebody who can actually negotiate your your way through the ease and labyrinth that is the modern public relations issue. On top of that, the other side advantage to the PR person is that they're going to be scheduling your fights with supervillains. Yeah, I know it sounds sort of weird, but when you actually start looking at it, you've got basically three different types of supervillain fights. And yeah, I don't care if we're talking actual superheroes here. You know, you've got the sneak attack. You've got the, you know, we need to take care of our competition issues. And then, of course, you've got the big, bad, I'm going to take you down and I'm going to rub your face in it. And you know that's got to happen a lot of the time. You know, you've got the supervillain who's like, hey, you know, he's going to contact the hero's PR agent and actually schedule this kind of rumble. PR agents in superhero universes have got to be some of the busiest people out there. But like you point, keep pointing out, this doesn't apply to just your superheroes. James Bond is a womanizer, but he's still seen as one of the coolest people. You know there's got to be a serious PR campaign going on there. Especially in an area, an era of Me Too. You know what I mean? We start dealing with alien races. Some of these alien races look incredibly silly, ridiculous, or just plain horrifying. And yet they're still doing pretty good. Again, great PR campaign. And if you're thinking, hey, I've got a fantasy novel, I don't have to worry about PR? Seriously? What kind of moron are you? Look up bards. Yeah, we're talking a person whose entire profession it is to go out and make the heroes look good. And this is actually one of the top positions in some of the org in some of the groups out there. I mean, let's get real. We're talking medieval whatever. You got somebody and there's a lot of distance between these two cities. You got somebody who's going through city to city spreading news. Dude, if that's not a PR campaign, I don't know what it is. So yeah, if you're not looking at some sort of PR agency in whatever world you're dealing with, you're missing some serious fun. Again, obviously you're looking at people with some sort of personal, you know, some sort of people skills. Um, illusion skills aren't necessarily a bad thing either. You know, you want to have a little bit of extra glow? Dude. Um, you know, I hate seeing Allison Blair the Dazzler's got a really great PR set. But let's get real. Some of you can add a little bit of extra glow and the lens flare. You've got to really love that power, kind of power set when it comes to PR. You know? And 
just have a little bit of fun with it. Of course, it doesn't mean the government's not going to get in on the action a little bit themselves. You know, obviously the government has some sort of PR agency going on. They've also got some sort of administrative specialist. I mean, seriously, if the government is not the place to find administrative specialists, you're just not looking. But you've also got the problem that a lot of these organizations have absolutely no problem tracking down heroes. No matter where those heroes are, and figuring out ways to make their powers work for particular situations. I mean, obviously the combat situation is going to be, you know, obvious. And let's get real, there actually are a lot of governments that have, you know, branded heroes working for them. Canada has Department H in the Marvel Universe, for example. Um, DC, Suicide Squad. You, you know, you start tracking down, you start finding out that almost every government agency has some sort of attached superhero ta attachment to them. You know, if they're dealing with, I mean, I'm sure Aquaman has to do something involving the Coast Guard and or maritime research. That's just way too obvious. But the bottom line is, is that you also have the freelancer problem in that you've got people that are you know, you don't need them all the time, you just need them for, like, the occasional one-off mission. And yet, you know, the mayor's office has absolutely no problem tracking these people down and saying, hey, we've got a problem, we need you to deal with this. And nine times out of ten, they can get the hero to actually deal with it. Sometimes it's simple, simple, something as simple as, sorry about all that, sometimes it is something as simple as a little bit of extra blackmail. You do this, we make these charges go away. Heck, we'll even count them as community service for that other charge. You know what I mean? The mayor's office or whatever government office agency you want to work with has dirt on pretty much everybody. And they've got to be good at matching powers with whatever they need at the time. Again, any power will work for working with a government agency, but you also want to have some sort of level of negotiation skill. In fact, for that matter, if you're dealing with the agency itself, those people will have some sort of decent negotiation skill, even if it's just straightforward intimidation. So, you know, I mean, just look at how many times Commissioner Gordon has actually managed to get Batman to do something. Given how intractable Batman can be, Commissioner Gordon's got to have some sort of superpower just for that. You know what I mean? So, you know, you're going to have some sort of department of superhuman activities in any government agency you're dealing with. Now, here's something fun to watch for when you watch another rubber monster movie. Watch the audience. Oh, sorry. Watch the crowds. Something you'll notice really quick is that almost every time the crowd goes in the exact same direction. Now, think about this for a second. Yeah, you've got the monster, you've got him, the top, let's say he's in the top right of the screen. Shouldn't people be scattering everywhere? But no, you're watching them all go left, towards the, at the exact same direction. Not scattering like they would in real life, because let's get real, that's what would happen in real life. Big bad monster comes, you have everybody scatter to get away from him. Not necessarily going in the same particular direction. Why are they going in the same particular direction? That's where the exits are. This is why you have some sort of emergency exit 
sorry, some sort of emergency expediency service. And think about this for a sec. You've got, get all, you've got all these cities where everybody lives, but they keep coming back to them, so that means there's got to be some sort of minimum casualty situation going on. You know? Godzilla goes through, destroys the movie, maybe kills, you know, a couple dozen people. That's all sorts of impressive. How these people get out of the situation. Your emergency expediency service. You had... Somebody set up all these different little spots that you go to when there's an emergency, and then once you go to that, you get to that spot, you're whisked away to somewhere safe really quick. I don't care if it's by bus, train, hovercraft, teleportation, what have you. Your emergency expediency service gets them to safety. On top of that, you know they've got to have some sort of parent child matching service because in real life anytime there's an emergency you have all sorts of missing people but you don't have a lot of those missing people when it comes to a lot of these monster invasions in fact you have families being reunited really quickly and we're not just talking like a couple of days a couple of weeks we're talking matter of minutes of, so there's got to be some there's got to be another service that that area just happens to offer and this doesn't apply just to emergency situations. Seriously, how many times do you watch the movie? I don't care if we're talking spy genre, rom-com, or, you know, kid in danger type of movie. But how many times have you seen, they have to get away, the bad guy's about two steps behind them, and all of a sudden the bus shows up. You know, in real life, if I went to a bus stop, I'd be waiting 5, 10, 15 minutes for the bus to show up. And trust me, that's more than enough time for whatever's behind me to catch up to me and make sure I don't have to worry about running anymore. And yet, here's a bus perfectly on time, even willing to negotiate, you know, the fare. Seriously, how cool is that? So... Obviously, your emergency expediency services are dealing with more than all sorts of really cool emergency situations from giant monster to psycho slasher to just making sure you get to that job interview on time. Obviously, if you have any kind of movement power, super speed, you know, telekinesis, the ability to give flight, or for that matter, just fly yourself, uh, teleport, any kind of dimensional travel, Obviously, this is going to be the job for you. And then, of course, there's the Super Little Siblings program. In a lot of different genres, you have the dreaded, you know, you've got a hero who decides to have a sidekick of some sort or an apprentice or whatever. And usually he has absolutely no problem finding somebody. Obviously, you have some sort of little siblings program going on. And yeah, I know this is going to be a little cynical, but let's get real. The entire concept of throwing a kid into danger and actually expecting him with almost no training to come out alive nine times out of ten, you got to admit that's sort of an impressive confidence level. What these kind of programs would do if they actually existed, would be they'd clear kids for sidekicks, make sure that the kids are have minimal 
mental mental health of defects. Again, minimal physical defects. They do some sort of basic check, at least I would hope, on the hero, even though you know some of these people are buying them off. Yeah, Bruce Wayne, we're looking at you. How many Robins have you gone through? Yeah. I'd really hate to see your charity just for charity output just for the Robin program. And obviously, while well, they're going to prefer heroes with money, but that's because the heroes with money can actually take care of the kids. Um, the really cool thing about this is that this almost actually way to actually get rid of a lot of runaways and orphans off the street. And let's get real, the superheroes aren't the only ones taking advantage of this, and not just the supervillains either. We're talking the actual organizations would also be taking care of advantage of this organization as well. I mean, seriously. How many times have you watched the movie and noticed there's pretty much almost nobody under the age of 18 on the actual streets that isn't supposed to be there? You know, there's like no runaways... You never hear of orphanages. And yet you have all these really big organizations of people with major cult followings. Where do you think they're getting the people to fill those cults? 